the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant and we're glad that you're here today. And especially if you have someone in your life or are yourself separating from the military, you're gonna be very excited you joined us today. I will say that if that's not your particular interest or situation, stick with us because what we're gonna talk about will be widely applicable to many different types of transitions. Today, we are excited to have Cassie Hatcher with us and Cassie is a, a military transition specialist so she does military to civilian transitions in resume writing and helping other people make these types of transitions. She was a military brat, so she has a passion for this and has been doing it for more than eight years. Cassie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Marie. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about how training military people to transition for job search what does that look like? So how do military tra training prepare job seekers to get into the civilian world? So um, they have some trainings that are DOD regulated, like the TAP program, which stands for Transition Assistance Program. And really essentially that that's helping them put together a basic resume. Um, there's also a lot more to the transition besides just the job search applying for benefits, medical benefits, VA benefits, things like that. But I think that we sometimes forget that the military has been training these job seekers throughout their career, particularly in leadership aspects. So a lot of my clients are in targeting operations management roles or project management roles and really leadership roles in a variety of industries. But I think what sets the military apart is the large quantifiables that they've worked with. So most of my clients, if not all of them, have either led large number of cross-functional personnel globally, um, huge dollar amounts in assets, major projects, often simultaneous, and often involving the coordination of multiple nations. So there's really a lot of distinction that sets them apart as leaders. And I think also because they are managing large numbers of people and property at scale, they are molded into very good leaders. And if they aren't very good leaders, then they don't end up making it to that 20-year mark, which is usually um, the point when I start working with them. That 15, 20 years is when um, you can put in your papers to retire. And really, in order to be promoted, you've had you've attended some really powerful, some of the best in class, best in the world leadership training. So for the Army, that would look like a uh, basic advanced or senior leaders course, um, the Navy War College. For the Air Force, there is ALS school, which is Airman Leadership School, and then also non-commissioned officer um, academy, the NCO Academy. Um, in addition to that, throughout their career, they're reading a lot of books. I know that all of my clients put in their hobbies that they like to read. 
Um, so what some of the top books that I recommend for all leaders, um, one of my favorite is Extreme Ownership. Um, that's by Jocko Wilkins and Leif Babin. And one of my favorite takeaways from that book is the idea that, you know, everything good or bad that happens within an organization completely relies on the leader and especially how they apply it in the corporate world for leaders who maybe don't take responsibility for underperformance. It's really interesting to read their conversations that they have at the corporate level. It's same with, you know, Simon Sinek, probably some of the most popular leadership books in the world. He talks a lot about servant leadership, which is a fundamental philosophy, especially of the U.S. Marine Corps. So I think just, you know, a lot of people talk about TAP and how, how poorly it helps, to tr it helps military to transition. But um, again, they've been preparing for these leadership roles their whole life. And oftentimes they just need to look outside of the TAP sphere into the nonprofit and the for-profit sector to help with those those other key pieces that you are essentials, you know, in your job search, like your resume and like your LinkedIn profile. But it's just so interesting to think about that leadership piece and the skills, they translate so well. And yet we've got challenges with how do you connect the dots? And how do you help a corporate person see that what they've done really translates into that corporate sphere. And so this is part of what you do with people, right? You help them figure out how do they tell their stories? How do they um, network in? How do they make those connections to help a corporate hiring manager and, and HR team see that the value they can bring is, is relevant, it is connective. And before we dive into that too far, one of the, the challenges is that there are some skills and maybe even language that military folks and veterans need to kind of unlearn when they're transitioning into corporate. And what are some of the themes that you see there? What are some of the things they, they need to unlearn? Yeah, that's a good term to unlearn um, when adjusting, you know, to this corporate setting, which is different. And I would I would say that one of the biggest differences is the strict hierarchy and also the chain of command. You know, the the military operates on such a well defined hierarchy and chain of command, whereas many corporate settings they value a more collaborative and matrixed approach. Like one of the top consulting companies, Deloitte Consulting which is as hard to get into as Harvard, by the way, as hard to get into as any Ivy League school. You know, they're a very highly matrixed organization where input is encouraged on all levels within the company, which is very structurally different than what they've experienced throughout their career. Now, I will say that there are some changes being made and in the military organizations where you know, they're starting to focus and embrace this matrix idea. But, you know, that's now more than ever in the private sector, people are challenging the traditional organizational structures. You know, they're wanting leaders that can empower teams, hold them accountable as well, and, and focus on this culture of shared information, shared vision, shared direction, which, you know, is, is very opposite to what the military does because you know, you have to have a certain security clearance to even be allowed 
to share that information that needs to be shared with people of the same security clearance level, right? So that is, that's a bit of unlearning that needs to happen. Um, the other piece of unlearning I would mention is communication and something you already talked about, you know, the military jargon and terminology and how in the military that, that communication is also very direct and it's geared towards immediate action. And, you know, why wouldn't they? Because this is often life and death calls they have to make. But while clarity and brevity are appreciated in the corporate world, there's also this um, element of diplomacy and being aware of the undertone that often plays a greater role than what you're actually saying. So that's another a bit of unlearning, just ha helping them to understand the context and adapting their communication style to different audiences is important. Um, and also right along with the communication piece is the tendency to use words and phrases that only apply in the military and won't, and that civilians don't understand. You know, we, I think we all feel a little silly with, or when we hear a, a term we don't know and we maybe feel like we should. And so saying things like, yeah, I was forward deployed in Afghanistan, you know, which is meaning they're, they're in a war zone or close to one. But instead, you know, I would prefer they say something like, I was in a highly hazardous global operation. So just making those tweaks. Um, another example would be saying like combatant commands, which means basically just means like worldwide counterpart headquarters. You know, Marie, if someone asked you or told you about their combatant commands, now you've probably worked with military, but would it instantly send up a red flag for you? Well, it's difficult, right? Because it just doesn't fit. So I've had a few, we teach resume writing. We teach a little bit of this military to civilian resume writing. And people will say, well, but we value the military and, and feel like it's a value judgment that we don't want them to use those words, but it's just about fit. So even if that doesn't throw up red flags for me, it just, it's, if I'm hiring someone to do project logistics and you say that those terms, it, it may be negative to some people, maybe positive to others, but for anybody, it just doesn't fit, right? It doesn't fit the project management lingo, the job description, the picture you have in your head. And so it's hard, as you said, most people don't understand military terms. Um, they just, even if they know someone in the military, they're probably not familiar enough to know all those terms. So they may have a negative connotation. They may have a positive connotation, but at the end of the day, they just don't, they don't see you as a fit in their business. I love that. That's such a good point. Um, and it just doesn't apply anymore. And so it's, it's hard to kind of let that go and learn this, this new and different language. But the thing is, like I said, a, a lot of them have attended a lot of leadership training and they know the civilian terminology, they just don't know that they know it yet. And it really is just a few tweaks to, to what they're saying and dropping the acronyms. That's the hardest part, I think, is just, you know, acronyms are used for brevity. And, you know, we don't, we're not in as many high stress situations that need an immediate answer. So I think slowing down and and really just going ahead and saying the word, the full word instead of the acronym, it, it really does help. And we use that. I mean, everyone, every industry has their acronyms that they use. 
Yeah, and that's such an important point. Every single industry transition person that I work with has to go through the same conversation that it's if you want to change industries, you have to tell your stories in an industry kind of agnostic way. We can't have a bunch of terms in your resume, interview stories, etc. no matter what industry you're transitioning out of. And so it's not military specific. It's just, hey, you're transitioning industries and we've got to let go of some of these industry specific terms so that someone can see you as applying for and belonging in their new industry. So we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Cassie's going to share a little bit more of the specifics of what she's doing to help people with this transition. And we'll dive a little bit into some of the misconceptions and why why businesses can benefit from hiring veterans so that if you are making that case for yourself or you're on the hiring side of the house, you can have a, an outlook on how this can benefit your business. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we're talking with Cassie Hatcher, who is an expert in military to civilian career transitions. And Cassie, we've been talking about some of the language that people might need to adjust, some of the leadership style that they might expect would be different in a company, or maybe that they would need to bring differently into that company. What do you think are some of the most common misconceptions or biases about people that have a military background? 
That's a good question. You know, a lot of people assume that because the military focuses so much on resilience and mental toughness, that military and veterans don't also have emotional intelligence and empathy and interpersonal skills, which from my personal experience is so far from the truth. You know, one of the many reasons I decided to work specifically with military and veterans is because of the empathy and the understanding they bring. Um, I was working in a variety of industries before I had my first child in 2017. I was working from home and working with my baby next to me and my military clients were the most understanding when it came to hearing a crying baby or a toddler asking for a snack. And I think employers in, you know, incorrectly assume that, that they are always in that military mindset, but they also have families, most of them, I'd say 90, 95%. So they are very understanding on the family side and put a huge importance on it. And I think because of that, you know, and they're dealing with some really difficult, you know, situations of sometimes their, uh, you know, their employees essentially not coming home. And so that emotional intelligence is actually very strong in that community. Uh, the other thing that I think employers incorrectly assume, especially with like project management and operations management is that the military have this unlimited budget, which is far from the truth. Again, you know, because of multi-year planning and also projects that can span several years or even decades, it can really tie up funds and they can't pivot very quickly. Um, when they're having to wait on Congress approval and things like that to change a budget amount. So they work within a very tight budget and have to come up with really innovative ways to save. Sometimes it's repurposing expensive equipment. Sometimes it's knowing, you know, when to salvage something and when to dump items because it costs more money to take a tank home than to leave it behind disabled and disassembled. And I'm sure, you know, we could talk about that at length, but um, one, one of the last things I want to mention too is just the, like the PTSD stereotypes. I think that the stereotype has gotten better since 2020 because the whole world experienced some form of stress and we have this shared connection and understanding because of it. But there are also some individuals who assume that veterans are less stable or reliable employees because of the misconceptions of PTSD. So I think it is important to address those stereotypes. And again, I think we're getting better as a society at accepting some of those, um, those stereotypes. So those yeah, are probably the top three. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two big, at least the last two really big, just the, the PTSD or the mental instability, um, you know, what an unfair thing to assume about anybody for any reason. There's so many, so many reasons that people might be struggling with their mental health. Um, and that's not a reason to discriminate against them anyways. And, uh, I just think about the, the ways that our military and veterans, add value to all, all of our lives um, and then what we how we can engage more in understanding about the process which you talked about earlier in terms of the leadership and the types of things that they face and even the um, you know having an 
unlimited budget. I mean, honestly, I see that more when I work with people from big corporations than anything else. <laughs> um, yeah. That that the they don't have to necessarily be creative, although I feel like that's just not a reality anywhere anymore. So I'm glad that you brought those up. Um, very important things to to know. And so then we talk a little bit about the benefits. What are some of the benefits you see businesses have when they do bring in military veterans? Yeah, I think, well, going along with the PTS, sorry, I cut out for a second. Going along with the, the PTSD stereotype is um, there are many qualities that are military and most of them assume like it's the toughness and grit. And it absolutely is, you know, stress becomes hardwired into a lot of military service members' brains. It's always there and they learn to live with it or they get out or they've just had enough. <laughs> you know, 20 years is, is a lot. Um, but they do have a lot of, of toughness and grit balanced with that emotional um, intelligence. And then you combine all the values that the military teaches, so honor, integrity, loyalty. And I think we can all agree that most businesses can benefit from those values. Uh, the other thing is it's it's hard to find um, employees that work harder than veterans, really. The, the rigorous training, they have high stake responsibilities, so they have very strong work ethic, very high discipline, and it's it's practically built into their DNA. Um, and again, going back to that undertone of this conversation about leadership, um, you know, just having led these diverse teams in high pressure environments, uh, it's so important that they've had clear communication and strategic planning, and that's extremely valuable in the corporate setting. There, there are really so many things I could list. I, I, I literally have a list of 17 that I'm working on, but I'll try to just kind of share the top five. Uh, the other is they're very team oriented by nature. You know, they're trained to work cohesively in groups and they excel at fostering unity and collaboration. So they are some of the best at cultivating positive work environments that ultimately improve team dynamics and contribute to more co cooperative work environment. Um, and then also the last thing I'll mention is, is purely metrics driven for a business. There are definitely tax incentives for hiring veterans. And there are also things like DOD Skillbridge internship program. Um, that is a 180 day internship that is covered by the Department of Defense and they can bring in veterans and essentially reduce the paid training time and, and get them onboarded so that when that 180 days are up, they are ready to hit the ground running. If they decide they don't have to keep, you know, they're really only committed to 180 days, but most, you know, and I wish I had a percentage, but I'd say somewhere around 75 to 80% that are part of that internship end up getting offered a job. And again, they might not necessarily want to take it either after experiencing 180 days in that company, but that that is a huge benefit, the tax incentives and the paid training, I'll call it, um, with the SkillBridge internship program. Oh, that's fabulous. What a great opportunity for a business and for the individual to um, have that time. That's great. Yeah, it's it's an amazing program. And there are more, you know, there are also 
outside of the DOD Skill Bridge program, uh, Hiring Our Heroes offers an internship program. There's veteran nonprofits out there that you should definitely be taking advantage of. Um, if you, not everyone is approved, that's the other thing. Sometimes you're such an essential worker that you have to be working up until the very end. But especially if you've served 20 years, I really would hope that your commanders and higher leadership give you that time to, mm -hmm. to make a smooth transition. Well, and so as you're talking about resources here, what are some of the other resources that you recommend for individuals who are making these transitions? Absolutely. There are so many, so many veteran nonprofits out there. The, the first thing I would do before you even get to that point is look at online courses and workshops. So LinkedIn Learning, they offer a couple courses translating your military skills to the civilian workplace, uh, veteran transition of navigating civilian careers. And then they also, LinkedIn offers a free premium account to military and spouses for one year. So absolutely want to take advantage of that. Uh, Coursera offers veteran courses, Skillsoft, Warblock, and I will give these all to Marie in a handout. Um, and then my company, we also offer a DIY military resume boot camp because that's where we're finding that military need the most help. There are some great veteran nonprofits out there like Hire Heroes USA where you can get a free resume. The problem is it's going to look the same as about 80,000 other resumes. So if you are looking to be distinct, um, we offer both a DIY course and then we also have resume writing services where you're working with a military specific resume writer. So I, I would just encourage veterans and, and military service members that are transitioning to look at all the options because there, there are tons of great books. There are tons of great online courses. Of course, government programs, the, the TAP Transition Assistance Program that I talked about right off the bat, um, that is required for everyone to go through. So at, you, know, you will get some type of training. It just might not be the most up to date. So that's where I would highly recommend you do your own research, follow people on LinkedIn um, that know what they're talking about. Um, and then also the networking piece, um, Veterati, that's a great mentorship platform and it connects military veterans with professionals that are already in their desired industry. Um, there's American corporate partners. And of course there's like meetup groups and local chapters, Team Red, White and Blue. There's a lot of volunteer opportunities where you can also be networking. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing those, Cassie. And what I'll do is when Cassie sends those to me, I'm going to drop them at a link and this will be up here by the time you listen to this, probably most folks. So careertl.com, careertl for career thought leaders, careertl.com and backslash M-I-L-C-I-V so that you can go and get those. So careertl.com backslash M-I-L-C-I-V, military to civilian transition, so that we can put those links up that Cassie is talking about and, and have our supportive team here add to those as we go. So Cassie, that's so awesome. Tell people where they can connect with you and how can they find you on some of these resources that you've been talking about, LinkedIn and your website. 
Yeah, I'd say LinkedIn is the best place to connect with me, and it's linkedin.com slash n slash Cassie, C-A-S-S-I-E, Hatcher, H-A-T-C-H-E-R. Um, I share pretty much every day. I share a ton of free resources. You can also visit my website, which is careerconfidence.us. It's kind of fun to have the career confidence on the career confidant. I mean, <laughs> So thank you so much. Uh, we'll say goodbye to Cassie and, and hopefully you'll go check out her resources. We will come back here on the Career Confidant and talk a little bit more about this transition and a few other really popular transitions that are, are happening right now. So we'll take a short break and we'll be right back here on the Career Confidant. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Say It Skillfully is my radio show about being who you are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. I'll help you find the right words to tackle any challenging conversation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. You'll learn how to achieve success on your terms and be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in your life. Check out SayItSkillfully.com for practical resources, including my 90-second videos, real-life examples showing you how to speak up skillfully. I invite you to call in with your questions. Join me live every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. And no, I'm cheering for you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. now back to the career confidant Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we've been talking with Cassie Hatcher about military to civilian career transitions. And I mentioned as we were talking through this that military to civilian is an industry transition. It's obviously very specific, and there are some specific challenges that go around along with it. And there are also some general 
ideas, some general principles that we see in this type of transition that appear in many other, if not all other industry transitions that I see. And one of the challenges starting at the very beginning is figuring out what are you transitioning to? It's really easy to figure out what we want to get away from, or if we're in a dying industry, we can't go back or if we're separating from the military, or there's this clear, I'm leaving something, but we can't write a resume when you don't know what you're aiming towards. We can't network, we can't have a proactive job search, we can't do any of that if we don't have that focus. And in my experience, this has been particularly challenging for folks in the military because they don't have an easy transition. There's not an industry that's similar. There are a few, and we get to logistics and we get to a, maybe um, government contractors, those types of things. And so those similar industries can be almost like a too easy. Maybe I should just do that because it's easy. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that if it's something that's a good fit for you. But there's also this wide world of businesses that could use your skills, whether that's project management or logistics or leadership or financial leadership, warehouse. I mean, I've dealt with all different kinds of folks coming from the military and those skills can plug into any business. That's the challenge, right? Is they can plug into any business and we've got to figure out what businesses make the most sense for you. Either the ones that you're most interested in or the ones that might be the best fit based on where you've been and, and maybe crosswalk the best um, based on your geography or remote work if you want remote work all of those defining factors are going to show you what industry is the best one to transition into. And of course, a coach like Cassie or myself or all of the, the folks at Career Thought Leaders can help you find that focus. But that's the first step, what industry you're going into, because that really helps us not just write a resume that has less terms from your old world, whatever that old world is, but also maybe include some terms from the new world you're trying to go into and thinks about that language, that forward-facing language, when you're putting together your documents, your stories, your networking plan, all of those things. If we have an industry that we're aiming for, it's a lot easier to put together the strategy from the messaging to the industry list, to the company list, to all of those things. So that's really our goal when we are doing this is to figure out how can we get an area of focus in your position, in your industry, so that we can help you make the, the language transition, make the cultural transition, all of that, that needs to happen when you're transitioning industries. And the biggest thing I'll say is that when you are transitioning industries, the easiest job search is going to be to stay in a similar type of role. And this is, of course, also where military folks start to struggle because a, a similar role from the military to civilian looks very different, even if it's a very similar role. And so that's what we're thinking about is how can we make that transition and be able to connect the dots um, into that new role. We're already transitioning industries, so we want to stay as close as we can in terms of the role. So we're doing our research, we're really thinking about how these pieces fit together and how we can get the, the transition to be as seamless as possible. And that's really the 
job of the person who's making the transition. We can't expect the employer to do that. We can't, you know, nobody else is going to do that for us. <laughs> Coach might do it with you, but you've got to make those connections and decide where you're going. And then we, all these other pieces can follow. So you're making that transition, you're transitioning industries. Now you are going to translate into the language of where you're aiming for. And this is not because people don't care about what you've done before or because they, um, maybe somewhat because they don't know about it, but not because they might not value it. And I said, this is one of the challenges that our military transition people have. It's like, we're taking the military terms out. And sometimes that can feel dismissive. Well, why isn't my military experience important? And it has nothing to do with that. It's a simple tool of making you feel like you're a fit in the industry that you're aiming for. And to do that, we don't want to use a bunch of language they're not going to either understand or assimilate into their business. We want to use language that is their language, the language they're used to using. And we're connecting those dots. We're putting those pieces together for them. So it's not about being dismissive of where you've been. It's about really trying to paint the picture of you as qualified to do the work you want to do in the future. We're speaking to that future business's needs, that future business's language. And it has nothing to do with whether or not they value what you've done in the past. It has everything to do with you right away, very quickly, feeling like you fit in that business, like you've done similar work that you can plug in, right? We all want to hire someone that can come in and just start working the next day, even though we know it's uh, it's not realistic. We That's what we all want. We're all busy. We're all overwhelmed. And that's what the hiring manager is looking for. So that's our goal in making this translation, whether you're moving from printer cartridges to medical devices, or you're moving from the military to uh, a logistics role or medical devices or whatever it might be. It's making that transition in your language so that the future employer sees that you're a fit. And we, we're going to strip out the language that doesn't fit, that doesn't make sense, that doesn't connect. And we're going to include as much language as we can that shows we have worked in similar industries or we have worked in similar roles. Uh, we've worked with similar customers, whatever we can do to make the connections and, and show that we've got that work that they're looking for. So we get the focus and then we paint that picture and we find the businesses, we figure out what really matters to them, what language are they using so that we can include that in our strategy. And that's the piece that it takes some work. It takes um, getting out of the rut of how you've always talked about what you've done and moving it forward. Now there's one piece in in particular, there's one piece that people struggle with here, especially when they're making military transitions. But again, this is not, um, it's not unique to that, is the job title. So what can we do with your job title to show how it's relevant in the new job? If you were, well, we've got an example. I was just working with one of our students because we teach military to civilian transition in the Resume Writing Academy. And I was just talking to one of our students that was doing our military to the to civilian project. And um, SEAL Team Operator was one of the job titles that they were looking at. And there are some crosswalks that you can find that show you the, the military to civilian job title transition. And it's always good to consider what type of job am I applying for? So this 
fake client is applying for project management roles. They just went and they, you know, got their engineering degree. They want to get into engineering kind of project management, but they're just going to start pretty basic, right? Coming from the military, getting into that new type of work, their transitioning industry and a little bit of role, which makes it a little bit more challenging. We look at that SEAL team operator job description and really what they did in that job was coordinate a lot of projects. So it's easy because they want to be a project manager. They coordinated projects in that role. We use a job title of project coordinator or project coordination if you're not comfortable with the title. And then thinking about using that SEAL team operator as a secondary title. Um, you can use a slash, you can use parentheses so that it still fits and it aligns with any type of documentation that you might be providing, but it's relevant and realistic. So it's relevant to the job you're aiming for. It's realistic because it's based in the real reality of what you were doing in that job. We don't want to take one thing you did one day and make that your job title. We're going to look for that, that sweet spot of something that's relevant to your future goal. And it's also realistic in that you were actually doing that in that job. But we are going to use the best language we can for that job title instead of just slapping SEAL team operator on there. That goes for any industry transition, right? We're looking for the job titles that are relevant for the future audience and communicating it in the best way that we can to make those connections. So when I work with people in industry transition, you might say, well, why do the job descriptions matter so much? One, they're the first thing most recruiters look at. Two, an applicant tracking system might score your experience based on that job title. And if your job title doesn't fit the kind of experience they're looking for, even if the experience does, if the job title doesn't, you may not get credit for that. Three is that when we're looking at LinkedIn and a lot of those other systems, the job title does factor into your search results ranking. And it also is big and bold and it stands out on LinkedIn and there's nothing really we can do about that. On your resume, we can format differently, but on LinkedIn, those job titles are always going to be big, bold, easy to find and show up in the recruiter results when they're searching. So making all of those connections is so important. Once you've got the target, you go through your background and you really translate your stories from the language you used when you were in that job to as much of the language as you can to your future job aim. And that's our goal when we're working together. It, is, it goes deeper than just the resume content. The resume content's the easiest thing to talk about, but it's a whole entire strategy of translating and you know making that transition in your mind, in your language, in your approach from where you've been to where you want to go. We're going to take a short back break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about a few other types of transitions that are happening a lot right now and what you can do if you are in that situation. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. 
Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on finding certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking all about different types of career transitions and some of the keys to success in those career transitions. So we talked about the focus and really understanding where you're moving next. If you're transitioning industries, how can you stay in a similar role? That's gonna make the job search faster. It's okay to transition both role and industry. It's just gonna take a little bit longer and maybe require some kind of external help like a degree or certification or a lot of networking. So when we're thinking about putting those pieces together, what are some of the transitions that you might be making because they're happening a lot right now or that you might be aware of if you are in any of these industries? So it's no surprise we are continuing on sort of this trend of individuals transitioning out of technology, especially out of the large technology hirings like Meta, Amazon, um, and, and the big companies, Twitter, obviously. We're still seeing layoffs happening in those spaces or people moving out because of the transitions, maybe making their own move out of that and wondering, you know, where can I go? We're seeing some tightening in the technology hiring market that hasn't existed in a while. And here are a few bright lights that I've seen in that discussion. One, there's been some research and discussion on how municipalities and other government agencies are really excited to lap up some of this tech talent to improve their systems. And the government has a lot of programs going on right now to improve their systems from their hiring system itself through a lot of their different technologies. Now you might be saying, well, I don't live in Washington, DC. Well, great, <laughs> Nancy Siegel, who teaches our federal resume writing program, she always talks about that the federal government is dispersed across the country. Um, in fact, you know, Colorado and California have tons of federal jobs. And then when you look beyond just what you might think of when you think of federal to other agencies, 
there's jobs in every state and in quite a few remote or teleworking, sometimes in the old vernacular there in the federal government, they still call it teleworking. They have those opportunities as well. And those, especially for people in the tech sector, can be a good fit. So I'm seeing that bright, shiny little light there and in that type of government or non-governmental types of organizations that are trying to improve their systems and see this as an awesome opportunity to get some of the great talent coming out of these organizations. If you're in some of these organizations, of course, that might mean some transition. It might mean a ge geographic transition. It may mean a pay transition, but I'd be, uh, I would be cautious there. Um, we seem to as assume that these organizations will pay less than the big companies were. That's not always true. Sometimes it will be. Then the other bright little light I've seen in that space is some influx in technology investment in small ways. So we've seen venture capital cool off, obviously had the, the banking issues that challenge some of that venture capital, but it is rebounding. And we're seeing some companies that might be even a little bit past the venture capital stage who are doing really well, hiring in more tech talent. They're those small businesses, um, you know, maybe whatever you want to say, they're past the venture capital stage, but they're still growing small businesses, might even still be considered a startup. I'm seeing a lot of talk about how job seekers, especially in the tech industry, which you wouldn't think this, but are missing those opportunities. They're not looking at that. And, and this is really a challenge for any job seeker in any sector when you get overly focused on the big companies or overly focused on these big names in your business. I mean, work with people and they're like, oh, I want to work at Pepsi or whatever it might be. And you say the names you know, but that's where the biggest competition is going to be because everybody else also knows those names. They're also one of the hardest organizations to network into because they are large and they've got a lot of systems and processes and hoops that people have to jump through to hire and to bring people in. It's not as easy perhaps to get those referrals in. So think about those companies that are down, down a size. How might you learn about those? How might you find out what other organizations would be a good fit other than the organizations everybody's thinking about, everybody's talking about, everybody's got on their list? I love to look at the best companies to work for at a regional or state or even metropolitan area level because it usually gets you out of those big companies and it gets you into that next size down who are the companies that are are growing doing well in my geographic area or in my industry if you've got any industry organizations that look at that so that you can see what is it that is going on in this different space. Then you can build your industry list, you build your company list based on those publications. What's going on locally? What's going on in my industry? How can I see what, what's going on there? Then of course, going to, or even just if you can't go, checking out the agendas of conferences in your industry. Who are the companies that are represented? Who are the companies that are there as vendors? Who are the companies that are on the, the membership lists where you can dig a little deeper, 
figure out what companies are engaged and maybe even have better opportunities to connect with them because they are at those events or participating in on online events or listing their company on the directories in the industry, they're more accessible and you can make those transitions in. And for those of you in the tech sector looking to transition out of you know, the stereotypical tech types of companies, you might look at other industries that you're interested in and see who's making moves in those industries because they all need technical people in some way or shape, shape or form. And especially if you're not in the tech role, but you've been in the tech industry, there's a lot of opportunity in some of these other industries. I talked about this in a Facebook Live. I, I go live on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook every single Tuesday. So if you listen to these, but you haven't to, uh, come over to Career Thought Leaders YouTube channel and caught up on a Tuesday, on Tuesday we talk about trends. And a few weeks ago, I shared this um, list of the industries that are growing and the industries that are shrinking. And that's also a good thing to look at. What industries are increasing? what industries are not increasing and it's not too um, surprising right there's not a it's it's not going to be world mind-blowing for you it's pretty obvious what industries are growing right now we're still looking at um, the industries that are growing and figuring out how can we tap into that so how can we connect to these growing industries and not get caught up in banging our head against the wall with an industry who's not doing so well right now, or maybe just having a little blip, we don't know. Um, and so that's our goal is to really think about how can we tap into some of these other industries that are growing. And it, I would encourage you to look locally. What are some of the industries that are growing to look at, um, to look at the, the ways that you can connect to these other industries. So here are a few of the ones that are growing. And I, I hesitate to share this because it's, it's always changing, but for today at least. Healthcare, we're seeing growth in individual and family services. So that goes back to maybe some of those government agencies, counties, cities, um, agencies that fit that mold. How might they use technology? How might they use your skills? And we're seeing growth in professional services right now. It's it's huge. Um, travel, which is just interesting, right? Travel and reservation companies. Um, obviously, there's still the professional sec sector, scientific services. We're seeing growth still in hospitality. So what does that look like for you from sports to events to amusement parks? People are getting out and they're traveling again. And I don't think that's going to slow much with the current challenges that we're having with some re-back re of COVID. And, and then you see, of course, we're still looking at information services growing. What does that look like? What other companies are available in that space other than the ones you see in the news because they're laying off? We're seeing an increase in mining activities uh, outside of coal. Coal is a, a huge negative. So you might want to stay away from that. But what else uh, is in your area, your sector that, that might be interesting? Some other things to stay away from, um, tobacco, apparel, 
printing, they're obvious, right? This is not mind shattering. So it's looking at some of the industries that are growing and figuring out how might you plug in with your skills, with your background. If you're transitioning industries, how can you stay as close as possible in your role and really making those connections? And of course, we'll be here on, on Career Confidant to help you do that. And if you haven't checked out that Career Thought Leaders YouTube channel, head over there and tell us what types of trends you'd like us to talk about on Tuesdays, as well as sending us any ideas you have for our Monday shows. We'll be right back here again on Career Confidant and look forward to bringing you and answering you any other questions you have. You can reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. We'll see you back here on the Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.